It's Guy's Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guy's Guy's Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best. Everyone wins. Guy's Guy's Radio. Thanks for being here. We've got a great show for you today. Did you know, did you know, this is pretty amazing, that a couple gets divorced in the United States every 36 seconds. 2,400 divorces per day, 876,000 divorces per year. Wow, that's a lot of divorces. And uh, got a great show because we're going to get into all of that with our special guest, Jacqueline Newman. She is a divorce lawyer in New York, and she's got this book, and it's terrific. It's called The New Rules of Divorce. If you don't know anything about divorce and you're thinking about it, pick up this book, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth. Health and Happiness, The New Rules of Divorce. And it was a real eye-opener. Uh, it's amazing that, you know, uh, first-time divorce, actually the rate, it's not like over half. It's 41%. And then for second-time marriages, it's 60%. And for third-time marriages, it jumps up to 73%. So that's pretty amazing that the more you get married, the more chance you have of getting divorced. So hopefully, listeners, that you don't get divorced. But uh, the odds are that some of you will or have had more than one even. So I am fortunate in that I spent a long time being single in New York City. It was a great playground, and I met a lot of fantastic women. I had a lot of long-term relationships. I had a lot of short-term relationships. I had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of. And uh, I finally met the one for me 10 years ago now. It'll be this June. And it went really quickly, and we have a 7-year-old son, and he's really an amazing individual, uh, so advanced, uh, these kids today, it's just like crazy. And uh, the frequency even that the young kids have is it's different. It's it's like they're so different. But anyhow, Jacqueline Newman, The New Rules of Divorce. Our other guest, we have somebody very different. Her name is Debbie A. Anderson, and she's put together Oracle Cards, a 52-card deck and guidebook about, uh, it's all based on vibrational energy. And it's really interesting stuff. When you need direction or guidance, if you kind of pull cards from this and take a look, they're really interesting, some of the messages they give you. And of course, the cards aren't going to tell you exactly what to do. And none of this stuff, and none of this metaphysical stuff is meant to make decisions for you. But it could open your mind, it could open your spirit, could open you up to alternative ways of thinking, thinking out of the box, and just sometimes getting a more objective look of what you're going through. You can't expect when you work with spiritual teachers or whatever that they're gonna, they, they're not going to be the ones to tell you exactly what to do. You have to make the choice. You create your life, but you can get help. You can get help in being in a position to make the choice. It's like the coach on a football team. It's like before he calls the play, he's going to get a lot of input from a lot of his staff as to what the tendencies are on the other team, things to do that help you succeed. And it's the same in life. We make choices each and every day, all day long. So anyhow, we're going to talk about Oracle cards. If you haven't heard or know what they are, it's pretty interesting stuff. And actually, Deborah's going to, Debbie's going to pick some cards out for me. And we're going to talk about that. So Guys Guys Radio, thanks so much for being here. Let's get it on. It's Guys Guy Radio. Did you know that January is not only the beginning of the year, but is the most popular month for divorces? That's an interesting factoid that I recently learned. And uh, because of that, we're going to have a divorce attorney as our special guest. And she's a very, very special 
and skilled attorney. Her name is Jacqueline Newman. She's got this book called The New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a managing partner of the firm. It's a divorce law firm in uh, New York. Berkman, Botcher, Newman, and Shine, LLP. She specializes in complex, high net worth matrimonial cases and also in negotiating prenups. Her practice consists of litigation, collaborative law, and mediation. She's been all over TV, radio, and print, uh, the New York Times, the Post, Business Insider, etc. And again, the name of the book is The New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Health, Wealth, and Happiness. I went through it this week, and I really learned a lot because I got married later in life, and I've been married about nine years now, and uh, the the subject of divorce hasn't come up, fortunately. But wow, it was a real eye-opener what I learned and how important a process it is that you have to be prepared for, or you can really get uh, roasted, if you will. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Jacqueline Newman. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, what I'd like to do is really cover uh, a couple of areas, Um, how, how we can stay married, when to get a divorce, and how to divorce. So why don't we start right at the beginning? How did you get into your business? Why did you choose to be an attorney specializing in divorce? And why is January the most popular month for people uh, kind of moving on, if you will? Okay, so um, oddly enough, I actually wanted to be a divorce attorney since I was like in basically in high school, um, which sounds really strange. But my parents are both psychotherapists, and so the big family joke was that I was too aggressive to be a therapist and so you might as well be, become a lawyer other than that and ultimately I put all my eggs in one basket I've been doing this for 20 years and I absolutely love it the other question was about January why is January such a popular month for divorce proceedings to begin well if you think about it most people obviously don't want to start any kind of action in the holiday season so usually I tell people if you don't come in and you don't start your action basically right after Halloween you might as well wait until January because no one wants to get a summons in their stocking and right. you don't want you know, to ruin your children's holidays. So basically, people will kind of get through the holidays, and then come January, you know, it's the month of the fresh start. So you get a lot of people that come in, and they really want to become educated in January. They want to know what divorce is going to look like. They want to know what they're getting themselves into. You know, after a lot of consultations, they may decide, you know what, I'd rather stay married than get divorced, which totally makes sense. And so really, a lot of people I find come in in January, educate themselves about the divorce process, and then usually I find people kind of process it in February, and then usually it's the spring when people start really filing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm wondering what the biggest misconception is about divorce and, and how, also how divorce has changed uh, and f- in reality and perceptually over the last couple of decades. Well, I think one of the biggest misconceptions really is that you have to be at war in order to get divorced. I mean, there are quote-unquote, amicable ways to get divorced. Um, It does not mean that you have to see the inside of the courtroom. It does not mean that your children have to be traumatized for life. I mean, there are ways to do it that actually are very humane and respectful. And I think most people don't believe that. And because of that, many people stay in unhealthy relationships because they're so scared to get divorced. So I think that's probably one of the biggest issues. And the other question about what has really changed over the last, you know, five to ten years I think there's there's been a few things that have changed, but one of the biggest things that I'm seeing really deals in the arena of custody, and it deals a lot with the involvement of both parents in raising children. So traditionally, you would have a lot of, you would kind of be like the kid's mom. Mom gets the kids, and the dad really is in a situation where, you know, he kind of gets to visit them, you know, every other weekend and on Wednesday dinners, mm-hmm. and that's just not happening anymore. 
Now you really have a lot of fathers that are completely involved. You're really moving on much more to a 50-50 split on time access. And I've been watching the shift, I'd say, over the last five to 10 years. And I would say in the next five to 10 years, it's going to kind of be a given. How does um, divorce differ uh, state by state? I know that's a broad, broad question. But uh, for instance, let's say you got married in New York and you had a prenup and then you move to California and then you're going to start divorce proceedings. Does things like that really complicate things or are there certain things that uh, travel? So it does complicate things to some degree. I mean, if you have a New York prenup, then basically what would happen is the California courts should be applying the New York prenup. And sometimes what ends up happening, and my firm has had to do this on occasion, you have to have basically a New York attorney go to California and explain to the judge exactly how the laws of New York would apply. So that's usually what happens when there's a prenup. But states definitely differ from state to state. Um, The rules, I'm sorry, differ from state to state, you know, from the spousal support rules, the child support rules, you know, even the way that custody is looked at in some ways will also differ. So it's definitely, you know, if you're living in one state and get advice from an attorney or somebody else in another state, you should definitely check with someone in your own state. So as uh, I could see with people moving around so much, it could be the, the, it, one of the takeaways I got from the book, which is very, uh, it's, it's easy to digest. It's very clearly written. So congratulations on that. And I learned a lot. But it sounds like you really need to think twice before you throw in a towel on the marriage. Now, nobody wants to stay in a marriage where the, 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 the husband and wife are unhappy and then that unhappiness uh, you know, rolls over to the child or whatever. But you, you really need to make a determination if the divorce is the right way to go because there is a process. It could be lengthy. It could be complicated and could be costly. That's absolutely true. I mean, one of the things I ask clients when they first walk into my office are, are you sure you want to get divorced? And if they even hesitate, I, I always say to them, I want you to go see a therapist. It's a very expensive process. It's emotionally expensive. It's financially expensive. And it's hard to turn back from. So I think a lot of people have these dreams and unrealistic expectations about what marriage should be and unrealistic expectations about what's going to happen in a divorce. So that's, again, why... Come January, it's really important to become as educated as possible. And I hope, and I appreciate what you said about the book, and I really do hope that when people read this, they'll say, you know, I say in the book, I, you know, on one hand, I'm not telling you to get divorced. Like, you might read this book, and if you ultimately decide to stay in your marriage, I still consider that to be a success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, you do great advice, and it, it's, it's obviously you're not looking to, uh, and your firm, not looking to gouge clients. You really want to make things work. If, they, if, they can, if the couple can work it out, great. If they can't work it out, you want to make the process as easy as possible to get through. So congratulations. Again, the name of the book is The New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets of Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. Our special guest on Guys Guys Radio is Jacqueline Newman. So um, let's get into some other aspects of, uh, of divorce. What, what do you find to be the top three reasons why couples kind of pack it in? I think one of the number one reasons, and it's going to sound simplistic, but it's really true, is about communication. I think what ends up happening is that, you know, I say in the beginning of a marriage, people are both speaking English. By the time they reach my office, one person's speaking Portuguese and the other one's speaking Swahili. They really, communication breaks down 100%. And I think once that happens, then anger sets in and then that can result in whether, you know, whether it becomes cheating, whether it becomes money issues, all the things that people more traditionally think is what breaks up the marriage. So I think communication is key. That's the number one thing. I think the second one is unrealistic expectations. So... People have certain images, again, as I was saying earlier, about what marriage is going to be. 
And you know what? It's not always roses and chocolates. It's hard. And, you know, especially when you add kids to the mix and a mortgage to the mix and just the stresses of daily life, it's very, very difficult. And I think that people just don't expect that. So when there is any kind of breakdown, um, I think people, you know, it's an expectation issue and people don't meet each other's expectations. And I will say on that as well, I think social media plays somewhat of a role into that because, you know, people look on Facebook or Instagram or wherever it is and they see these happy, great marriages. And you're sitting and feeling unsatisfied in your own marriage. You look and you see this and you think that everybody's so happy. But what they don't realize is the second that picture is taken, you know, right afterwards, the people are fighting. You know, it's just very <laughs> unrealistic. And so you know, I always laugh how you barely ever see a baby crying on any picture <laughs> in any of these social media sites and babies cry. So I think that that really feeds into the dissatisfaction, feeds into the failed expectations. And I think that that's the second reason. And the third one, you know, I think that just when it comes down to it, Sometimes people are just not well suited. You know, you get married young, you get married for certain reasons that you think are the reasons you want to get married. Sometimes people look perfect on paper and then ultimately aren't really what's the best match for you. And so you see that a lot, mostly in young marriages, but you know, people have to learn how to grow together. And I think sometimes they don't do that and then they ultimately end up getting divorced. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the book, and I think is very insightful, is when you're divorcing the person, they're not the same person that you married. Uh, you kind of touched on that, but elaborate a little more because when when it sounds like, and what I my take was when when you move towards the aspect you're getting into the divorce, then people start to change, and it could change quickly. So you need to be prepared for that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's funny. I do a lot of prenups as well, and very often, you know, when people come in with prenups, you know, they'll say, "Well, I have to play their worst case scenario." So I have to basically say, "Okay, I know your fiance is a wonderful, wonderful person, but I'm going to pretend that person's a monster, and I'm going to assume they're going to do everything bad to you upon a divorce, and therefore that's what I have to draft for to protect you." And you know, to them, you know, I, you know, tears are well in the eyes, and they say they would never ever do this, and I think to myself, "But they will," because when people get married, and not everyone, obviously. But when people get married, you're in love and you're happy and, you know, the best sides of you are coming out and you're younger and you don't have maybe some of the stresses you gain later on in life. And so I think that, you know, there's a saying, I think it was Nora Ephron. Yeah, she said, you know, never marry anyone that you don't want to divorce. And so people going through a divorce, they change. And a lot of the anger, you know, obviously comes to the forefront and people become different people. You know, they don't think your jokes are funny anymore. They don't think you're so cute anymore. And so therefore the nastiness comes out. And so I think it's just, you know, if you see, if you're dating somebody in the very beginning and you see that they're very aggressive with other people, you know, people that they don't like, they have a lot of hatred in their lives, you know, I think that it's naive to think that if you become on the other side of the bench that you're not going to see that too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a great point. When should people consider a prenup? Should everybody, should it be just part of the consideration checklist or is it more in your opinion, skewed to certain scenarios like, let's say the guy's older and he's racked up some money and he, he marries a younger woman or something or, or vice versa. Uh, what, what's, what's your take on when, if and when you should consider and do a, a prenup? So I think prenups as a whole are actually a really good thing to have. And I know that a lot of people see them as unromantic and a lot of people see them as planning your divorce. And I can absolutely understand why they would say that. But I actually don't think it's really just for the wealthy or just for, you know, there are certain circumstances you should absolutely have it. You know, one of them being if you have a family business, one if you have, you actively manage your assets, if you do have huge income disparities or if you have huge asset disparities, um, if you have children from another marriage, those are kind of your basics that it's really important to have it. But beyond that, 
I think, you know, I have people coming into my office that have nothing. They think they'll have something one day. Um, and then I also have a lot of people that just want certainty. I mean, laws are changing all the time. And, you know, it, it's very scary. And, if you know, for if you're the moneyed spouse, it's very scary. But even if you're the non-moneyed spouse, it's very scary just not to know what's going to happen. And so sometimes, you know, when you don't want someone necessarily staying into a marriage just because they need that financial security, not to say that people don't do it all the time, but if they know what they're going to get, you know, getting out of a marriage or give or whatever it might be, I think that that provides actually a level of comfort that can strengthen the marriage. And the other thing I would say, you know, there's a quick story I tell about prenups that I think is really relevant here. I mean, I do talk about it in the book and, you know, one of my best prenup stories is about, um, you know, it can really facilitate communication. And so I had a client once uh, who was, you know, a young woman who was amazing. She was just, I love, I love this client. And she was marrying a young, an older man, I'm sorry, who was, uh, you know, very wealthy. And he didn't want to talk about money, didn't want to have any communications about money, didn't, you know, just kept saying, I have enough, it's fine. And, you know, she found that to be very controlling, mean, shutting herself off, and he just wouldn't do it. And so they were experiencing this. So in our negotiations, we had very, very heated talks and everybody was crying and yelling. And, you know, and during these meetings, you know, my client would, I represent the wife, as I said, the husband would try to speak and my client would just, you know, start screaming at him and then just get very excited and cut him off and stuff. And then when he would, when she would talk, he would roll his eyes and it was just, you'd watch this lack of communication. And it got to a point where I said, okay, when she speaks, you cannot roll your eyes. And you know what? You have to let him finish a sentence. And they really had to respect the boundaries in the room. And it taught them how to have these communications. So ultimately, they end up signing the agreement. She comes into my office afterwards. And there's still tears. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one of the most important parts. Um, in the meeting, when we were talking about money, it comes out that the reason that he doesn't like to talk about money is because, and the reason that he doesn't like to deal with money at all is because for him, his father had said he'd never amount to anything and he accumulated this large wealth. And so to him, it wasn't money wasn't about feeding his family. It was much more about, you know, self-worth because of mm -hmm. what he gone through growing up. So at the end of the day, so we have this conversation. They end up signing the agreement. She comes into my office after. They said, tear lit, you know, tears still brimming on her eyelids. And she says to me, I'm so glad we went through this process. And I said to her, you know, I, I laughed and I said, I'm really surprised to hear you say that. And she said, if we didn't, we never would have learned how to have difficult conversations. I never would have learned about all the money issues and the reason and what it meant to him. I would have just seen him as shutting me out and thinking that I wasn't smart enough to understand it and all of that sort of thing. It would have been belittling and controlling. And we also learned, you know, I learned that I do cut him off and I need to stop it. And he needs to learn to respect what I'm saying. And you can just tell it strengthened them. And I really believe, I mean, they ended up having a kid a couple years later and I believe they're still married. You know, no one's come back to me. And so I'm really hopeful that what this ultimately did, this experience strengthened them. So I think mm -hmm. if prenups are done properly, they can actually strengthen a marriage. So it sounds like a good prenup attorney is also kind of a marriage counselor and psychologist also. So congratulations for those skills. <laughs> Speaking of which, if, if you're a couple and you're thinking about getting into the divorce process, if you will, what are, what are the steps and how do you qualify uh, an attorney? So... One of the first things you want to do is you want to decide how you want to get divorced. There are different process choices to getting divorced, whether you want to do mediation, collaborative law, litigation, or some, you know, some combination of all of them. And so I think once you decide what's the best process choice for you, then you're probably in a better position to select which attorney is better for you because there are some attorneys that just do mediation, some that do just collaborative law, others that just litigate. So that would really be kind of your next step. Let's take a pause on that. If I'm sorry to interrupt, okay. but uh, just for our listeners, collaborative law 
mediation, and litigation. Um, just give us a quick definition uh, as it pertains to uh, divorce. Sure. So mediation is where you work with one person who's a trained mediator, um, and basically the two clients sit in the room. Generally, there are not attorneys in the room, but usually we'll have attorneys on the outside, someone that you consult with because the mediator is neutral, and you want to have an outside attorney who's going to be someone who's going to look at the case from your vantage point. So mediation is great if everybody can kind of work things out. It's probably the nicest way to do it. Uh, it's usually the least expensive and usually the fastest, but it's a self-selecting process, so it doesn't work for everyone. And then there's collaborative law. If you feel like you can't do mediation, you want an attorney in the room, you feel there's a power imbalance, you may find maybe financially one person's much more savvy than the other, one person's in the financial dark. So then you decide you want to do collaborative law. Collaborative law is where, where you work with collaboratively trained attorneys, meaning we go through a lot of training, and you enter into an agreement saying you're not going to go to court. So there's a very big push on settlement. The catch is that it's a voluntary process, and if one party decides they don't want to do it anymore, all the attorneys that are working on the case are going to be wiped from the process and cannot litigate it. So for an example, let's say I'm representing the husband. He and I are getting along great. We think everything's going fine. The wife decides, you know what, I don't want to do collaborative law anymore. At that point, I can no longer represent him in litigation, nor can anyone in my firm. So you're really starting all over again. The other nice thing about collaborative law is it's an interdisciplinary approach, which means that you can bring in a divorce coach, which is a therapist trained in the model, a financial specialist, and a child specialist if appropriate. So it's kind of a group approach. I always say that a most expensive player on the team, why wouldn't you bring in someone else? Right. And then there's litigation. So litigation is what you know you see on TV. And it basically can be the court process. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to court. It could be just negotiations amongst your attorneys. It could be even the kitchen table discussions where the two of you kind of try to work it out and then go to an attorney. It's just basically not collaborative law or mediation. Okay. Well, now, which is, uh, which is the most popular, which has been the most popular, and which is uh, where are the trends going now in terms of the choice for those three paths? Well, I think that, you know, when you say most popular, you know, if you mean mo what most people do. Right. I think that people probably as a whole still stay in more of the traditional model, which I'm putting under the litigation cap. Doesn't necessarily mean they're in court, but I think that each person will hire an attorney and let their attorneys kind of battle it out. That said, there has been a huge push on mediation. I mean, the courts are now, there are some courts that are mandating mediation now. So I really think that's kind of catching up. Um, you know, a lot of celebrities, they're doing a lot of mediation and collaborative law, and there's a lot of good reasons why you want to do that if you're in the public eye. So I think that those are kind of catching up. Collaborative law is still probably, because not, it's not as well known, um, it's still kind of lagging behind, I'd say, of the three. But that said, I, I'm seeing a push in that, too, because it really is a great process choice if you can't do mediation. So, um, you know, and they're teaching it in law schools now. So I think the more they're teaching mediation and collaborative law, it won't be looked at as alternative dispute resolution because it will become just more the norm. Mm -hmm. What if you had a situation, let me just throw a, because uh, I'm thinking of a distant friend, um, the guy's close to being retired, more on the retirement scale, the wife's younger, maybe 15 years younger, they split up, they have a kid, how does that work out in terms of he has more assets than she does, but she has more earning power right now, how do you kind of sort, What what's a fair way of sorting through that, how do you, how do you, because that's tricky. And I think there's a lot of, probably every case you come into has its own set of variables. So let me throw something like that out there. As an attorney, how do you break it down? So, I mean, I agree with you, first of all. Every case is different. I always kind of think of my cases as like snowflakes. Everyone has a different, you know, a different part to it. So in regards to that, I mean, you would look at, you kind of break it down, as you said. So basically, first you look at asset distribution. So 
taking into account what his assets were, you would look at what the assets were at the date of the marriage, and then you look at what they are at the date of divorce. If ultimately everything was accumulated during the marriage, then, you know, that's all going to be marital property. And then it's a question of how you divide it up. And part of that, you know, and, you know, this obviously gets a little bit complex, but part of it depends on what the assets are. If we were going to say everything was cash, that's much easier. And then you look at what state you're in. So New York, for an example, is an equitable state. It's not an equal state. So it's not an automatic 50-50. So in New York, you know, they may argue about whether it should be a 50-50 split or some other percentage. If you're in another, some states are community property states where they basically say it's 50-50 and that's it. So that's how you'd first deal with the asset distribution. And, you know, there may have to be valuations that are done in them, depending if they own businesses, if they had real estate, if they had private equity. They had all sorts of things that are hard to value. You'd have valuation issues and you'd have all sorts of fights about that. Okay. So that's how the asset distribution. And then when you talk about support, um, you know, you would look at and when you're talking about support, I'm, I'll just talk about spousal support for right now, not dealing with the child. When you're dealing with spousal support, um, again, the formulas differ greatly from state to state, but they would look at, you know, how much she's earning, how much he's earning, you know, what's the discrepancy between the two. And, you know, in New York, they have a certain cap on if you're earning over and above X, then arguably you wouldn't be a maintenance candidate. When I say maintenance, I'm, I'm talking about alimony and spousal support. It's all the same thing. However, if you're dealing in a very high net worth type of situation where someone has had a very lavish lifestyle that can't be supported by the income that they earn, there could be claims for maintenance. So maintenance mm -hmm. is a little fuzzy with all that, especially when you're dealing in the high net worth space. Our special guest is uh, Jacqueline Newman on Guys Guys Radio. The book is The New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. Last question. What's the best advice you could give people in terms of how to work with the, their divorce attorney and make the best use of that time? Another really good question. Um, I would say the best way, first of all, you know, you want to ultimately be as honest as possible. You know, just as honest, completely honest with your attorney. A lot of times people, you know, they either want their attorney to like them or they don't want their attorney to think they're a bad person or whatever it is. So they don't give all the information. And that is one of the worst things you could possibly do because if you don't tell your attorney everything and then they find out in court that you did XYZ or called someone XYZ, whatever you did, that's awful. Like it's the worst thing you can do to your attorney. So you need to be completely transparent, everything, you know, no judgment. You have to tell your attorney everything. No surprises. Um, yeah. No, no, no surprises, please. And the other thing <laughs> I would say is that, you know, obviously attorneys bill and we're expensive. Like let's just call it what it is. And I think that what I recommend a lot to my clients is that, you know, they, every time they have a thought, they send me an email and, you know, and, and we bill the way we bill it, you know, it gets very expensive to kind of do it that way. And a lot of times what I ask my clients to do is throughout the day when thoughts pop into their head, assuming nothing is urgent, they should make a list. And at the end of the day, they should send me that list numbered and I will respond to each and every single point all at once. It is really one of the best pieces of advice I give clients to, you know, no matter my clients or anyone else's clients. And I say, Keep your thoughts condensed and, in, and give it to your attorney in an organized fashion and let them respond in an organized fashion. Don't have 10 million email chains going all over the place. I mean, things get lost. It gets confusing. You're already in an emotional state. And it's just such a better way to keep things organized. And it ultimately ends up being less expensive because the way then the attorney is like just focused on your stuff, does it for whatever amount of time and isn't, you know, and just will bill for that time that they're doing as opposed to these little like point, what we call point ones all over the place. It's just not, it's not efficient. And ultimately, it's not satisfying to the client because they probably something will get lost in translation and they'll feel they're not being heard. Got it. OK. Uh, our special guest has been Jacqueline Newman. The name of her book is The New Rules of Divorce, 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, 
health and happiness. I think you will agree with me. Jacqueline really knows her stuff. And the book is very concise. It's to the point. There's a lot of information on it. And I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, think smart, think twice before you make that step into divorce. And if you're going to do it, like anything else in life, for big decisions, be prepared. Jacqueline, thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. I really enjoyed this. And I think we helped a lot of people out there. Thank you for having me. It's Guys Guy Radio. We have a special guest. Her name is Debbie A. Anderson, and she's a world-renowned psychic medium, uh, oracle deck reader, and she's developed her own set of vibrational cards, and she's from the UK and Canada, and she's with us now on Guys Guys Radio. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you. Lovely to be here. As I had uh, been thinking recently, every time I interview a channel or a medium or someone with uh, really tapped in psychic abilities. Now, we all have psychic abilities, but not everybody has their antenna wired quite the way that channels or psychics or clairvoyants do. Um, it seems like they've had some uh, experience as a child where these gifts start to come through. And then for whatever reason, the people around them, the parents, whatever, freaked out and kind of squash that and they get repressed and then uh, about 10 years 20 years later they come back and that determines the direction of their life what was your story well mine is very similar to that and it almost it's almost like one size fits all uh the age of four i was having um seeing ethereal beings but didn't understand it didn't have uh, a mom that knew what they what this was and this continued in different forms uh, spirit would come and chatter to me as a child you know, I did the phenomena of seeing Jesus at the age of 11. And at that point, my mom took me to see a psychiatrist. And in those days in England, especially, you would be locked up into an asylum. And I think to this day, there are many thousands of souls that saw and heard spirit that are in asylums because they were thought to be psychotic. So it was really in my 20s when I started. Well, I suppose I was always playing with tarot decks and doing readings for people. But it was in my 20s when I was able to connect with others of like mind to know that there wasn't just me out there. So that, again, we're talking about the uh, the early 70s, um, you know, uh, mid 70s, where there was no Internet. There wasn't right. a place we could source things, which mm -hmm. it's lovely now. If we've got a question about something, we can quickly tap it in regardless of what it is. So, OK, so uh, you developed these gifts. You started giving people readings using tower cards. What happened um, with what was your experience using the cards? Uh, talk a little bit about this. You know, cards as, are like a vehicle. Um, what's the importance nice. of cards? What are the other alternatives? Why tarot cards? And then how did you make the move and the decision to develop your own vibrational energy deck? But which, by the way, they're beautiful. Uh, they're Thank illustrated you. by Heather Brewster. And they're just they have very fresh messages in there. I think you'll find them if you use cards at all. Very different than anything else that's out there. So. Uh, give us your story on how you kind of made that connection. Yeah, well, uh, as I say, in that time, there wasn't a lot of access. There weren't metaphysical stores, especially in the UK. So uh, I came, I can't remember how I came across this deck. So I started to basically do readings for people. I would pull a card and then start talking. And at that point, a little while later, I was able to go on a tarot course to learn how to read the tarot properly, as it, as it were. And I found that I was doing it intuitively because the tutor was telling me, no, you're not reading that correctly. But the person sitting opposite me when I was doing the reading was saying, actually, you're spot on. So for me, it was accepting that 
you know, we can't always do some, some things by the book. And I certainly wasn't doing it literally by the book. And you, when you were saying about uh, tarot to oracle cards, now we've got so many beautiful cards, oracle cards. People talk about angel cards, and angel cards can be oracles or tarot. The difference between the two as a tool to use, and there are many different tools out there, is uh, people like to have a visual, like to have a physical touch, feel, and something to actually do with their hands. It feel, Some people feel a more of a connection. And Oracle is less structured to read than uh, Tarot. Tarot, if you're learning it, uh, it's great once you get there, but you've got 78 cards to learn all the different definitions. And it's a bit like an alphabet, whereas mm-hmm. using a, an Oracle deck when you're playing with that or using it to get answers, you could just pull one card. And focus right. on the answer to that rather than doing lots of layouts and things. And yes, there is a layout in mine, which is, as you uh, said, it was quite a large one to do and uh, quite structured. But uh, I give people the option that you can have structure or you don't have to have structure. Okay, yeah, because uh, the it's a beautiful deck, and uh, you can either just pull a card or you can do the the layout, which I did, and it's called Vibrational Energy Oracle Cards. There's a guidebook with it. And it's very clear, whereas tarot cards, you have to, you know, there's the fool and the hangman. And mm-hmm. it's not, uh, you know, a lot of the meanings aren't directed like the hangman doesn't mean you're hanging or anything. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, you have to really be an expert in terms of understanding yeah. the nuances of the definitions where this is different. All right. Why don't we do this if that's OK? Um, mm. I'll lay out the cards and then you can talk about the process and how we do this. So the first card, this is the, the larger reading. What do you call that? Right. It's called the five vibrational dimensions of the soul reading. And because it goes through the five dimensions and we look at life as being one, two and three, like we're in a flat status, uh, the next day and in our third dimension. Well, we actually there are more different vibrational uh, levels and I won't go into all of those. But the fifth one is really talking about the ascension and getting into that. And that's what I wanted okay. people to understand when they were doing these cards. Okay, so the first three cards we pull are uh, you or your body, and then yep. the mind and the soul. So this is That's what I correct. pulled. Okay, yep. so I pulled for uh, the body uh, knowing. Okay, and that especially, I always look at the body as being us. So when you know something, you just know it. You don't have to have that explanation. So that would seem perfect from what from the work that you're doing. Okay, and then for mind, I got refuge okay maybe sometimes we need to go into our head and just sit there a while and contemplate things and maybe that's the way you process so and sometimes we do have to step away from things that's okay there's nothing wrong in that if we identify it and let it be (laughs) all right so then the third card i pulled is the soul card and that was time lapses again yours the soul card uh with time lapses that's about meditating, creating quiet time for yourself, contemplation, stepping into yourself. So I would say for the work that you do, they are three perfectly aligned cards for you. Okay, so I'm doing the right thing. So then (laughs) we lay out five vibrational dimensions of the soul cards. So we do them, uh, it's kind of vertically, the first one and then going upward, first, second, and third, fourth, fifth. So here's what I pulled. Homeward bound is my number one. Okay, and the first dimension is what we used to know and accept. So they were things that were in our life, and home for you would have been a big part of that. 
and family and all of those things that are wrapped into that is a consciousness, an awareness. And okay. it's things that we've accepted at that point in our life. Mm-hmm. And of so course, far, you, you can say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything makes sense so far. Yeah. So, okay, the second card I pulled is, well, I think it's about what we need to grasp right now. Right, yes, the second dimension. That's really um, our sacred alignment, if you like. Okay. Uh, where we are, what we need to connect to at this particular moment. So what did, okay. what card did you get? I got uh, Snowflake, and that doesn't mean uh, I'm, a, I'm a liberal <laughs> or I'm not a liberal, but I got Snowflake. I guess everyone's different, right? Yeah, and that is the big thing. The Snowflake doesn't fit into uh, the confines of what is structured. And when we realize and understand our uniqueness in that process, then we haven't got to, um, I don't know, step into allowing others to tell us what we should and shouldn't do. And I get the sense with you that that is something you've always stepped out of the norm and been who you wanted to be. And you're accepting it. It's it's a transition like anything. When we don't fit into everything that everybody wants us to fit into, we are like, well, I don't want to do this, but I do want to do this because I want to be accepted. And I think that may have been uh, the the struggle or the hurdle that you're um, overcoming. That's uh, definitely true. Okay. (laughs) Number three. uh, And again, this is Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is uh, Oracle card reader and developer uh, of her vibrational energy deck, Debbie A. Anderson. So we're going through the uh, my layout of the cards. And so my third card, which is what we no longer need in our life, is wild and free (laughs) wind spirit. Wind spirit. Wind sprite. Well, the, sprite, the wild and free wind sprite can actually create chaos. There's a part of us, like sometimes when we let that out, it's like the whirlwind that goes around. But it's also that side that um, maybe you didn't cherish yourself. Maybe it was the wild child that you wanted to be, and it's no longer needed there. You can have that from time to time as we all have to, what is it, let our hair down and just go with it. And I get the sense with that, that's not something you need anymore. It's still there. And there's a part of you that not everybody knows, which is good as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So far, right on. Um, <laughs> okay, number four, which is our own self-awareness. And for that one, I got, let's see, smell the roses. Yeah. Well, this is our physical. This is where we need to, in our physical humanness, I always say, rather than in our spiritualness, is to take time out, to smell the roses, to not miss everything. Like sometimes, uh, you know, I've traveled with people or I've had to travel myself or I'm going somewhere and I need to get there. And I'm seeing all these things as I'm going along the road. I'm like, I would love to have time to stop and see that. But my structured being couldn't do that so this is saying sometimes we need to stop pull over see what's coming there be curious and also it's your sense of purpose as well okay (laughs) all right number five what we know and recognize at this time and here i got uh also this is a card i pulled on my own yesterday just to pull one card i got the same one here what we know and recognize at this time the fairy the fairy ring. Well, this is something I will share, where, fairy share with ring. you. Fairy ring. I'm sorry. Yeah. I said fairy, fairy well, king. That's all right. The fairy king. Well, I mean, <laughs> well the fairy king. Uh, 
what I always say to people is if you're doing a reading for yourself and a card keeps on coming up on a continuous uh, basis like twice it's come up now in in a couple of days it's really significant now the fifth dimension this is your fifth dimension this is your awakening the inside part of you saying hey i'm here i'm ready let's get working on this and i get the sense with fairy ring this is more of a freedom to actually do this rather than the restricted structured part of it uh you need to be able to um what i would say um uh, create balance and that may be where the the fairy ring this actual card there's this beautiful ethereal being and just spinning around in this circular motion and this light going around them and that's what it is it's like trusting in that being that and Mm -hmm. you know just stepping into that uh, vibration if you like okay Uh, And then there's three more cards up top there's the present the past and the future so you pull the present card then you pull the past card, then you pull the future card, but you read them past, present, future. Yes. So th- that's what I've done. And I got, for the past, I've got end of days, which Absolutely. makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And end of days, a bit like the death card in a tarot deck. It means something had to end for something new to come into it. And that card is a beautiful card. When you look in the detail of it, there's a butterfly, there's a crown, there's a little soul sitting there in like a yoga position. So there's all this epitome of, although there's all this darkness around there, there's also this massive amount of light and uh, ability. So I get the sense that you really had to step away from something to work in in the field that you're doing now. And Yes. yes, it was like an ending, but mm-hmm. from it then becomes a beginning. Yep. So far, uh, amazing. <laughs> Debbie A. Anderson, the, the cards being pulled just absolutely reflect what's been going on. And okay, of course, so the, these aren't cards, cards that I pulled. These are cards that you have pulled yeah. on a soul level. Uh, you know, I always say to people, you never get the wrong card. You always get the card that's meant for you, even if it doesn't, in your mind, give you what you want. Take a moment to reflect upon that because it's all connected. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, maybe we should just take a, a quick uh, side step here and that when you know when you work with cards, don't just take them out and throw them down, like take a moment, take a right. couple of breaths and yeah. ask if you if you believe and if you work with guides or angels or whatever, yeah. ask them to work with you and, you know, breathe and then slowly and, you know, purposely do this mind be, be present when you're going to do it. Absolutely. Because I always say it's three steps. Connect with the question. What do you want to know? Take mm-hmm. some time. You know, we if we, we're planning a vacation, we don't just jump in the car and drive off somewhere. We take some time to sit down and actually plan what we're going to do. Then connect with your deck. Shuffle the cards. Think about what your yep. intention is. Mm-hmm. Connect with the card. What card did you get? Why do you think it's relevant? What, what does it connect with you at this particular time? And so I always say you can... Uh, you can pull a card and it won't you feel, oh, this is not the right card. I wanted this or I wanted that. Take a moment okay. to actually digest. Two last cards. So yes. the present, and I think this one fits also. I got the F word, which I assume means there's a lot of frustrations and things like that where you're kind of spinning around. And we just made a move from New York to Southern California, and we couldn't make a complete break. There's been some frustrations and stuff, and there's been some things that are just about to clear up now, but it's taken – the process has been taken longer than we yeah. expected. So yeah. that's kind of where we are now. So I, I guess that this card makes sense. And of course, with everything, there's always an opposite. So now it's like the frustration is going to turn into freedom. 
and moving forward with things. So, you know, I would think the F card is like, this is where we can have our buttons pushed if we allow it. Mm-hmm. Or we can actually step back and go, okay, this is a process. I can't assume because at the moment I'm feeling frustration that the re- next 10 years of my life is going to be this frustration. It can be if I want it to be. Of course it right. can. We can manifest anything we want. But I think you've hit the, hit the nail on the head with uh, your definition of that. Yeah, because it's a, it's also a reminder that uh, we have to walk the walk because I've been mm-hmm. s- talking about the fact that, you know, we can create our own lives and we have to be careful in, in managing our thoughts. You know, you don't you don't create your thoughts, but when they come up, how how we manage them and by managing our thoughts, we can manage our really manage our lives. And uh, I it's it's I think that this card's a reminder for me that I have to walk the walk, not just talk the talk, because yeah. when things have gotten frustrated for me, I have to step back. And say, okay, be patient. You put it, uh, you, you handed it off, you let it go, the issue, mm-hmm. things are going to work out, relax, and uh, have some faith and have some knowing instead yeah. of just uh, freaking out minute by minute. So, yeah. anyhow, uh, I think that made sense. So, the last card, which to, is, we actually have to remember that spirit don't work in the same nanosecond, would you like, prize that, that we do. Like right. Everything's instant. So we, as you say, we have to trust. We truly have to. And especially anybody in any spiritual work at the moment or any work that they're doing, they've got to walk the talk. They can't BS anymore because people are seeing through it. Right. And if they're seeing through it and you're BSing, guess what? You're not going to be here doing what you think you're doing at the moment for very long. All right. Robert Manny here, Guys Guys Radio. Again, our special guest, Debbie A. Anderson. We're talking about her beautiful uh deck of cards that are called the vibrational energy deck they're oracle cards and i'm up to my last card which is my future that i pulled and that one i got abundant blessings wow well do i need to uh, define that one or do you feel and of <laughs> course people think abundance means money and stuff and things like that but abundant blessings means the whole bag if you like that's happiness that's freedom that's abundance on all levels because yeah, that's so important. it's also about what we've put out as well. Like as you sow, so shall you reap. What you plant and those seeds and the way you take care of them, and you tend your garden is how we grow and the outcome of that. And I get the sense with that, this abundant blessings is, yeah, you see, you've seen the bad side, you've seen the good side, you've seen the in-between side. So now it's all going to balance and level itself out for you. I think that's beautiful. What a lovely, perfect card to end on. Oh, I agree. And uh, thank you so much, for Debbie, for sharing the cards. Uh, what's the most important thing that people need to know when doing this work on their own? I think the thing is don't overthink it. It's like any tool, whether we're using a pendulum or we're using runes or tarot cards or anything, it's just another way of getting a possible outcome. And I use the word possible outcome because we're human and we can make that change and, you know, go the opposite direction. So uh, the willingness to be open to messages and the directional things that we get fed to us every day. Right. Uh, you know, and I say to people, switch off some of the negative stuff that you're the having chatter. around you, the chatter, you know, whether it's inside your head or outside that you're listening into. You know, people say to me, because I, I don't think I've uh, been listening into mainstream media for many years now. And people say, well, you're you're being silly. You're, you know, not aware. And I said, you know what? 
if it's something I need to be aware of, somebody around me will share that. I don't have to feed that negativity to me. And that's Mm -hmm. not being in that Pollyanna mode all the time because I have shifts and movements and crises like anybody else, but I have to step back and go, okay, what is this showing me? What is this bringing me now? And then Mm -hmm. stepping into that and sometimes, yeah, kicking and screaming, not necessarily with ease and grace, but we all go through that. Okay. Tell everybody, Debbie, uh, where they can find out more about you, where they can get your cards, your website. Perfect. Uh, Vibrational-energy.com. So vibrational-energy.com is my website. You land on there. There's free weekly readings that I do for everybody. There's a newsletter I send out once a month. Links there for Instagram, Facebook, and everything else. So just go to my website and find me. Debbie A. Anderson, Vibrational Energy, just look it up and you should be able to connect with me fairly easily. Perfect. Well, listen, thank you so much, Debbie A. Anderson, for being on Guys Guys Radio. Great job. Thank you for sharing the deck and the reading and uh, many blessings to you. And many blessings to you as well. Thank you. Robert Manny's The Guys Guys Guide to Love is a fast-paced tale of flawed men and savvy women competing for love, sex, power, and money in the city where they play for keeps. It's the men's successor to Sex in the City. The Guys Guys Guide to Love is a sexy romp through the fast-moving, high-stakes world of Madison Avenue. Available now on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Guys, Guys Radio, those were two very different interviews with very different individuals and very different information for us. Let's start with uh, Jacqueline Newman, uh, The New Rules of Divorce. I think the biggest takeaway, at least from my standpoint, was you better be darn sure you want a divorce before you proceed with it because it can get sticky and it can get ugly. It can get ugly. And a lot of the assumptions that we make about divorce are completely wrong. Uh, on the other hand, it doesn't have to be contentious, but it's probably going to be time consuming and it's probably going to cost you some money uh, and it could cost you a lot of heartache. So think long and hard before you decide to pull the plug on the marriage. And if you ever get in an argument, I would say bite your tongue before you blurt out, I want a divorce, because that could just cascade into a series of uh, experiences and behaviors that could lead to divorce. And you may not even want that. It might have been just anger or whatever. So just be careful with that word around the house peeps. So anyhow, that's what I think I picked up there. I'm sure there's a lot more, but it's a really good book, The New Rules of Divorce. If you're even thinking in that area, I strongly suggest you check it out because it has step-by-step everything you need to consider and everything you need to do each step of the way to make the right decisions for you. As far as Debbie A. Anderson and the uh, vibrational energy oracle cards, you know, some people are open to it. Other people aren't. I, I, I keep an open mind. Yeah, I'm a guy's guy. I like sports. I like tequila. I like sex. I like to have fun. The same ways I did back in my teens and 20s. I've evolved, of course, as an individual and educated myself and had a lot of experiences, but I still like, you know, the guy-guy stuff, if you will. But I'm also more open from a spiritual standpoint to taking information to help me see how I can live a more heart-centered life, how I can raise my frequency, how I can align with uh, my divine self, if you will, and to source. And the fact that is that there's a lot of help out there for us if we're open to it. And if we just welcome spirit into our lives, you will see, as I have seen, 
your life will change, I assure you. So, Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific Time on KCAA here in sunny Southern California. We're on 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. Wednesday evenings, 8 p.m. Pacific Time. We're also on uh, replay on Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. The podcast version of the show downloads the Thursday morning after our Wednesday night show onto Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastBox, Blog Talk, Radio. You can stream the show off of KCAA. You can go to my website, robertmanny.com. There's lots more information about me. The whole Guys Guys movement began with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. You can check it out on Amazon, 28 five-star reviews. It's a fun romp, and I think you'll get a lot out of it because there's a message in the book also. It's not just about romance and sex, even though it's been called Sex in the City. There's a heart to the book, as I've been told, and I'm very, very pleased with how it turned out, and it makes me so happy when people enjoy the book, and everybody seems to. So check it out. Also, my website is robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. I've got all sorts of information on there. And Guys Guys Radio, we've done our 400th episode. So I hope you'll stick with us and keep going with us. I love doing the show. I love bringing you information. I love my audience and listeners. Thank you so much, Guys Guys Radio. We're going to be back next week with a couple more guests. And until then, like I always like to say... Guys, guys, finish first. <laughs> <laughs>